is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. One of the greatest disasters in ancient Jewish history was the destruction of the Second Holy Temple. Those of you who've been to Jerusalem, you see one of the outer walls that survived, It didn't have to end that way. And at Chabad.org, just a little overview that I want to share with you because it has meaning to today. The second holy temple stood in Jerusalem for 420 years. Unlike the period of the first temple when the Jews were, for the most part, autonomous, The vast majority of the Second Temple era, the Jews were subject to foreign rule. The Persians, the Greeks, eventually the Romans. Aside from the troubles caused by these external powers, the Jews were also plagued internally by tumultuous politics. And they divided into many factions, a phenomenon that ultimately led to the Temple's destruction and the nation's torturous exile. A concise history. The Second Temple era spanned 420 years, ending with the Romans' destruction of the Holy Temple in 70 CE. And by the way, that battle went on for almost five years. But for much of this period, Judea was under foreign domination. The beginning of the Roman takeover by allowing Pompey to become involved in the internal affairs of the Holy Land, Hecranus and Aristobulus had inadvertently given Judea in the hands of the Roman Empire. The Roman governors allowed lawlessness to reign. Arab gangs and corrupt Roman officers plundered and killed. Former high priests formed their own militias to control the temple. If the Jews had been united, 
they would have merited God's protection. It was the factionalism among Jews that ultimately brought about the destruction of the Second Temple. Now the Jews began revolting against the Romans while they were fighting among themselves. They revolted against the Romans throughout the land, and in ever-increasing numbers they joined the movement of the zealots who were openly preparing for war. Bar Kamatsa stood up, brushed the dust from his clothing, and said to himself, since the rabbis were present at the feast and did not stop him, this shows they agreed with him. And I'll slander them to the emperor. Rabbi Yohanan ben Zakkai wisely foresaw that Jerusalem was doomed and understood the need to transplant the center of Torah scholarship to another location. The extremists pretending to be Jews coming to offer sacrifices also entered. Once inside, they took out their swords and began to kill moderates as well as visiting Jews. Now finally, all the factions in Jerusalem had no choice but to work together and fight their common enemy. But the outnumbered Jewish defenders, they fought with great courage. But it was too late. The best of friends would snatch food from one another. The Talmud recounts the sorry tale of a woman who killed and consumed her own baby. Titus, the general, saw the Jews were now weakened by hunger. Yet his soldiers cut down all the trees in a 13-mile swath around Jerusalem in order to build a new rampart for their assault. And they also built them to build miles and miles and miles of crosses. Where captured Jews were tortured. They ran out of trees. The destruction of the temple, the Romans and Jews were crowded together. And their dead bodies fell on top of each other. The sound of screaming filled the air and the floor of the temple was covered with bodies. Whoever the Romans found alive were slaughtered and fed to their dogs. They burned all the houses filled with the starved dead. The victorious Roman troops marched through the ark with Titus. He was at their head and in front of him the young and handsome captives carrying the golden vessels of the temple. Wicked one, the son of a wicked one, descended Esau. The wicked, I have an insignificant creature in my word called Nat. Come ashore and do battle with it. The Redeemer. And with him the potential of redemption was born the moment after the destruction. The second temple fell because the Jews were killing each other, fighting with each other. They were not united. And when they finally were united, it was too late. They had a common enemy. But they were too busy fighting and killing each other. And then it was too late. I want to read you from the epilogue of the Democrat Party Hates America. In May 2023, in his concurring opinion in Arizona versus Mayorkas, Supreme Court Associate Justice Neil Gorsuch issued an unprecedented statement to his fellow Americans. 
Nothing in his opinion is unknown or new ground, but it is profound in its concise Paul Revere-like warning. Not that the British are coming, but that tyranny is here. And while all is not lost, we are closer to losing our country than many may think. Here's the most salient part of what he wrote. Since March 2020, we have experienced the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in the peacetime history of the United States. Executive officials across the country issued emergency decrees on a breaking scale. Governors and local leaders imposed lockdown orders, forcing people to remain in their homes. They shuttered businesses and schools, public and private. They closed closed churches, even as they allowed casinos and other favorite businesses to carry on. They threatened violators, not just with civil penalties, but with criminal sanctions, too. They surveilled church parking lots, recorded license plates, and issued notices warning that attendance at even outdoor services satisfying all state social distancing and hygiene requirements could amount to criminal conduct. Federal executive officials entered the act, too. They deployed a public health agency to regulate landlord-tenant relations nationwide. They used a workplace safety agency to issue vaccine mandates for most working Americans. They threatened to fire non-compliant employees and warned that service members who refused to vaccinate might face dishonorable discharge and confinement. And along the way, it seems federal officials may have been pressured social media companies to censor information about pandemic policies with which they disagreed. He said the concentration of power in the hands of so few may be efficient and sometimes popular, but it does not tend towards sound government. However wise one person or his advisors may be, that is not substitute for the wisdom of the whole of the American people. Decisions made by a few often yield unintended consequences that may be avoided when more are consulted. Autocracy have always suffered from this defect. Left unsaid, of course, this is me, that the vast majority of those who acted in this manner described by Justice Gorsuch were overwhelmingly Democrat officials. From New York to California, Illinois to Michigan, everywhere in between. The bluest states ceased being free in open societies. They were as close to police states as we have seen or experienced, certainly in recent history. Democrat Party officials, in particular, demonstrated a lust and frenzy for seizing an experienced power, issuing fiats that previously seemed unimaginable. Many Americans lost their lives, who need not have, and died without family and friends around them. And at the federal level, the keys to the government were effectively handed to longtime medical and health care bureaucrats who rejected most information that did not comport with their narrative. It came from sources outside their circle of sycophants. Although they were welcoming of self-serving and politicized advice from the likes of the teachers' unions. Although memories tend to be short, let us hope they are not so short as to forget what was done to the country. It is one thing when politicians seek the input of experts as part of the decision-making process, particularly when the issues are atypical or require a certain degree of speciality, as the COVID-19 virus surely did. But that's not what happened broadly. 
Moreover, the level of corporate and social media participation in censoring and dismissing competing medical and scientific opinions and demeaning the highly regarded professionals who attempted to voice them, as well as lockstep acceptance of the integrity and soundness of virtually every edict issued by the few self-appointed medical masterminds at the top of the D.C. bureaucratic ladder, underscores the extent to which America lacks a free press. It is proselytizing for the Democrat Party and the party's agenda, makes its supposed independence from Democrat-run administrations and the administrative state impossible and preposterous. For this, the country pays an enormous price in liberty and a functioning constitutional republic. Unlike the Republican Party, the Democrat Party is more than a political party. It is the state party. It seeks to monopolize the political system, the culture, the government, and society. And while the Republican Party exists to try to win elections, the Democrat Party plays for keeps. That is, election defeats can never be allowed to interfere with the ideological trajectory the party imposes on the nation. And when the Democrat Party wins elections, it continues building upon the permanent parts of the government infrastructure it firmly controls. Thus, the Democrat Party single-handedly builds permanent centers of power, including the vast federal bureaucracy, subsidized non-government organizations, lifetime activist judges, tenured professors and teachers, party members in the media, etc. The Democrat Party uses the culture and politics to empower itself and its agenda, and Democrats have no intention of surrendering control of either. Consequently, when the Democrat Party wins elections, it claims broad mandates. When it loses elections, it ignores the popular will of the people and turns to the permanent government and its cultural surrogates to sabotage Republicans and push forward with their American Marxist agenda. Consequently, over time, it becomes increasingly difficult to reverse the Democrat Party's political and cultural damage. Conversely, the Republican establishment is mostly flat-footed, of course, the Republican Party does not exist to fundamentally transform America. However, when it refuses to acknowledge or take effective, affirmative, and proactive steps to counter the Democrat Party's agenda and the forces of American Marxism, and in too many cases acquiesces and contributes to them, the Republican Party fails in its most important mission, to defend the American people from a Democrat Party that literally hates the country and is destroying it from within. And unlike the Democrat Party, the Republican establishment would rather betray its own base, conservatives, and try to marginalize it than battle the Democrat Party, preferring to make appeals to the Democrat Party media and demonstrate their bipartisan common sense in pursuit of temporary political power and positive media coverage. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell, the likes of Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Chris Sununu, Asa Hutchinson, and Chris Christie, are but a few contemporary examples of this defeatist mindset. It is also one reason why they and Republicans like them constantly target Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, and others who understand the nature of the threat and are willing to confront it. It takes uncommon fortitude, principles, and foresight to recognize and engage the Democrat Party, its surrogates, and American Marxist movements. And it goes on. But mark these eight, they had uncommon fortitude. No, they didn't. They're saboteurs. 
the House Republicans, with the tiniest majorities, have been making very good progress. Very good progress. Those eight teamed up with the Democrat Party and destroyed it. And I've got more to say about it in a moment. Mark Lovin. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. I want to build on this further. I don't want anybody to get confused or spin what I've said. Who think they're clever and to use it against what I'm trying to say and make the points I'm trying to make. Primaries are very healthy. Conservatives need the battle of the establishment. We need to take our party back. But I will not oblige a liar, a self-promoter, and an anarchist and pretend that they're a constitutionalist or a conservative. And there are lessons to learn from the Bible. There are lessons to learn from this pandemic. We are facing... In essence, the Roman Empire. You don't make deals with the Roman Empire to take out your own people. I'm not done. I'll be right back. Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals. America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. 
Anarchists are not conservatives. People who can easily embrace, break bread with, and make deals with Marxists who are destroying your lives, your country, your children's brains, or sovereignty, are not conservatives. Now, clearly, there's a faction within the Republican Party who are not conservatives. They're not establishment Republicans. What are they? They're arsonists. They're anarchists. That's not you. That's not me. That's not the framers of the Constitution. That's not the founders of the nation. That's them. As I posted earlier today, let's cut to the chase. Gates repeatedly lied to the American people on the floor of the House yesterday. And then, of course, simultaneously was fundraising and collecting email lists. And he wants you to believe he did it on behalf of the people against these special interests. He insisted that the House failed to bring up 12 separate appropriations bills. What he didn't tell you is they couldn't get them out of committee. Because Democrats wanted to spend even more through these appropriation bills. Some liberal Republicans were going along with it and conservatives had to stop them in the committees. It had nothing to do with a refusal by McCarthy to oppose regular order. You can't have it both ways. They had to be stopped in the committees. That's why there weren't 12 of them. And yet Gates knows this. Lauren Boebert knows this. Andy Biggs knows this. They all know it. They lied to you. McCarthy refused to go along with a continuing resolution, even for that 45-day extension. He refused to go along with a CR that essentially rubber-stamped the omnibus spending that the Senate usually sends over the House. He said no. But I need 45 days to sort this out. I don't have a majority that's functioning as a majority. And then the very anarchists who are making it impossible to get the majority to act like a majority then complain there's no majority and blame it on the leadership. Gates kept insisting, insisting otherwise. He said he's sick and tired of deficit spending and poured into a $33 trillion debt. We're all sick and tired of it. So what has he done about it? Absolutely nothing. We had Thomas Massey on the program last night, really the gold standard. He was attacked, I think by President Trump in specific, but certainly by spokespeople for the administration when he stood up against all that COVID spending. And I asked him last night on this program, who backed you? He said, nobody. I said, did Gates back you? He said, absolutely not. I said, did Gates go to the floor of the House and tell the Republicans, stop spending like drunken Marxists? He said, no. It was too hard for Gates to do. So he blames it on everybody else. That's right. And that spending was the second highest in American history until Biden came along.
Gates demanded that the former speaker intervene in his ethics investigation and kill it. Despite text messages saying that that's what he wanted to do, he's denied it. Release the text messages, Mr. Gates. Release them. That investigation didn't begin nine months ago. It began two years ago. And that committee ought to finish its damn job. And even in Gates' defense, a cloud should be hanging over somebody for several years. But I suspect that little faction of anarchists wouldn't care what it says. That's why they're not conservatives. During his ramblings yesterday, Gates blamed House Republicans, who passed the most aggressive bill to secure the border from the ongoing invasion orchestrated by Biden and the very Democrats he partnered with for not securing the border. I don't know. Has he read the Constitution lately? The House can't secure the border on its own. It can pass spending bills. It can pass spending bills with directives. That's what they did. The most aggressive in modern history. And yet he brings that up as a demerit. And the worst to me, as I said, is Gates working with the Marxists and the Democrat Party who are literally destroying our country. Politically, culturally, every other way. I wrote an entire book on it. Then he denies it. He denies he is. And yet, and yet we all know he was. Report after report after report. He seems to have a, a love lust for AOC. Then he accuses the former speaker of being the Democrat speaker. In the course of 72 hours, he trashed Jim Jordan. He trashed Jamie Comer's investigation. He said the impeachment inquiry is a ruse. He accused Chip Roy of being a rhino. Not uttering one word against Hakeem Jeffries. Did you hear him? Not a word on the floor of the House against Hakeem Jeffries. Not a word against AOC or the rest of the reprobates in the Democrat Party. Not one word. Making peace with the Romans. While he was frantically fundraising off his anarchy. Positioning himself as David taking on Goliath. Gates and the others wound up killing the greatest effort to slash discretionary domestic spending in our lifetimes. That didn't come from McCarthy. It didn't come from Gates. It came from the Freedom Caucus, which was working with the Senate Steering Committee, which has members like Ted Cruz. And they destroyed it. Instead, he was working with the Romans, modern-day Marxists. And the Senate conservatives wanted it to use against Mitch McConnell. Gates talks about the Uniparty. He's right about the Uniparty. McConnell and Schumer and Biden. But in the House, it's another misfire. He's a member of the Uniparty. He worked with the Democrat Party. He worked with the Marxists and the Democrat Party, the party that hates America. There's no basis whatsoever to do that. None. I don't care how bad it gets. This was an unprincipled, personal, 
political attack led by a demagogue repeatedly lies to you, lies to conservatives, lies to the public generally. And now, as I predicted last night, he's on social media tweeting away. And now he's saying, according to his perverse logic, thank him and the other seven. Thank him for what? Well, if a conservative like Jim Jordan is elected speaker, he and the other seven and their media lapdogs will claim that they deserve full credit. They'll be patting themselves on the back. I want you to follow this logic. He came out of that session that voted to vacate the chair, and he was asked about a number of people he might support for speaker. And he listed about half a dozen establishment Republicans that he could support. Even one liberal Republican. All that? All that for an establishment or even a liberal Republican? But the anarchist faction doesn't give a damn. They want to believe. They want to believe. Now, he was attacking Jim Jordan yesterday. Now Jordan has announced that he'll, he's running for speaker, and now he's a cheerleader for Jim Jordan. He attacked Chip Roy the other day, called him a rhino. He attacked Byron Donalds last week, implying he's a rhino. And the vast majority of the Freedom Caucus rejected Gates, gun control Nancy Mace, Ken, Liz Cheney, Buck, and the other reprobates as well. But let's follow his logic. Shall we thank Gates and the Gang of Eight? If Jim Jordan, who went to the floor specifically to give a speech on behalf of the outed speaker, who's a friend of the outed speaker, who became chairman of the committee as a result of the outed speaker, Should we thank Mr. Gates? No. If this is the logic, we should thank Hakeem Jeffries. We should thank every damn Marxist Democrat in the House of Representatives. Thank you. Thank you. They're the ones that should get a big wet kiss because if it wasn't for every damn one of them marching in line behind Hakeem Jeffries, the chair would not have been vacated. And maybe we thank both of them. Gates's dear friend, Hakeem Jeffries, who he hasn't said a negative word about in the last three days. But certainly, without Hakeem Jeffries delivering all the Democrats, that chair would never have been vacated. Hakeem Jeffries didn't say, vote present. Hakeem Jeffries didn't say, hey, look, 8, 7, 12 of you, whatever, don't show up. Hakeem Jeffries didn't do any of that. Hakeem Jeffries is a good little Marxist. And he said, vote his ass out of office. And they did. The Democrats worked in unison with a gang of eight. 
and vacated the chair. So we should thank Hakeem Jeffries and AOC and Talib and Omar, Bowman, and all the other slimeball reprobates who hate America. Right? Because according to Matt Gates, whoever voted to vacate the chair, they deserve credit. If a conservative like Jim Jordan takes the slot, this is how demagogues work. This is how Benedict Arnold's work. I am telling you now, I haven't changed. Conservatives, real conservatives in the House haven't changed. We know who the enemy is. We know what we have to do within the Republican Party. We've spent a lifetime on it. This guy's a flash in the pan, Gates. He's a flash in the pan. So he's on social media. That's just fantastic. And look look at these eight. How pathetic. Look at Nancy Mace. An unhinged, in my view, head case. She's angry because they didn't have an abortion bill on the floor. She's angry because they didn't have a gun control bill on the floor. She's angry because some feminist agenda, whatever it was, wasn't pursued. That's all right by Gates. He'll take the numbers wherever he can get them. Andy Biggs held up as an icon of conservatism when he stood in the way, one man who clearly doesn't believe in representative government in Arizona as the president of the Senate and block convention of states until he moved his ass out of there and moved to Washington, D.C. Then it was like crap through a goose. It went right through and was adopted by Arizona. That's the way you help save the country. He opposed Convention of States. The man that they pushed out of office supported it. I asked him right on the show. Ken Buck, a never-Trumper, pro Liz Cheney, grifting to get a job on CNN or MSNBC, now their most popular guest, now the Kingsigger is gone. Another one of the eight. That's three. Three out of the eight. Rosendale celebrating that scores of conservatives who were running against Marxist Democrats lost their seats. So six or seven of them would have the power over the caucus. Of course, Rosendale didn't want to lose his own seat. That would be totally different. Now he wants to be a senator from Montana. That's four of the eight. And I described Gates. That's five of the eight. That's five of the eight. Meanwhile, the Democrats are on the move every day and in every way. The unelected part of the government, the elected part of the government, regulations, laws, executive orders. And the one part of the government that was actually trying to do something about it with a minuscule majority, which Rosendell was thrilled about, was kneecapped. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Have you been waiting to buy gold as an investment? Lots of commercials out there, but who can you really trust? I didn't want to make a bad investment, but didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold to diversify your investment, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process, get the new gold IRA company integrity checklist. It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free IRA company integrity checklist today, text LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Now, I trust Augusta Precious Metals and invested myself. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company for yourself and see if you agree. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at Augusta Precious Metals you know, I get pretty sick and tired when I hear even conservative Republicans on the Senate side, they keep talking about the House. Do you know why conservative Republicans on the Senate side keep talking about the House? Because they don't have the gonads to take on Mitch McConnell. You don't hear them making noise. They'd rather talk about the 12 appropriation bills in the House. Well, let's talk about the appropriation bills in the Senate. Where are they? They have the power of the filibuster, the minority. There is no filibuster in the House. They have tools that they can use. Robert's Rules of Order, Parliamentary Procedure, and so forth and so on. They can block the judges. Why aren't they doing it? Our biggest problem is in the United States Senate. That's the part where the Republicans need to decapitate the leadership, politically speaking, of course. Because they've thrown in completely with Schumer. There's your uniparty. Like Gates and Hakeem Jeffries. There's the other uniparty. I want to encourage you folks, you fantastic patriots... To acquire a copy of the Democrat Party Hates America. I think it's the North Star now when it comes to what's going on in politics, the culture. And I encourage you to grab your copy at Amazon or any other place other than Barnes & Noble. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Our founding and history are under assault. Our families and faiths are being degraded. Individualism has been substituted for groupism. Colorblindness is now racist. Capitalism and prosperity are being devoured by economic socialism and climate change fanaticism. 
Classrooms have become indoctrination mills for racism, segregation, bigotry, and sexual perversion. And teachers' unions are hostile to parental involvement in critical decisions about the health and welfare of their children. In America, free speech and academic freedom are shrinking. And the police state is growing, as is monitoring and spying on citizens. The government is banning and regulating more and more household products, from incandescent light bulbs to dishwashers, while creating shortages and driving up costs of others. Crime is out of control in our streets, public transportation, and schools, while police budgets are slashed and many prosecutors and judges coddle violent criminals. Our borders are wide open to millions of foreigners who seek entry into the country as drug and criminal cartels ship killer drugs into our country by the tons and brutalize migrants by using them as indentured servants and sex slaves. And the list goes on. The Democrat Party is responsible for most of this and much more. It seeks to permanently control our governmental institutions, just as it dominates our cultural entities, from the media to academia, from entertainment to science. It seeks to delegitimize and eviscerate the Constitution, including the Bill of Rights, the Electoral College, the Supreme Court, separation of powers, and so forth, which obstructs its ideological designs. It abuses the rule of law by targeting its political opponents for harassment, investigation, and prosecution. And in the end, it seeks to imprison them. On October 30, 2008, when Barack Obama shouted to a crowd that we are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America, he was not kidding. On May 14, 2008, when Michelle Obama pronounced that we're going to have to change our conversation, we're going to have to change our traditions, our history, we're going to have to move into a different place as a nation, she meant it. The Obamas are not alone among Democrat Party apparatchiks and their contempt for the country. In fact, it is the rare top Democrat Party politician who regularly praises America and is sincere about it. They mostly trash talk the country and smear millions of its people. The examples are too numerous to catalog, but it is a party that is built on the demands and propaganda of revolutionaries, demagogues, and malcontents, and has a horrifying history of supporting the most contemptible causes, including slavery, segregation, the Ku Klux Klan, eugenics, and even lynchings. Indeed, almost from the start, the Democrat Party rejected the principles and values of the American experiment. Today, it is the home of another anti-American movement, the American Marxism movement, with its various ideological appendages, The Democrat Party ruling class, elites, and activists are united in this revolution, which is swirling all around us. The title of this book, this is from chapter one, declares that the Democrat Party hates America, 
Indeed, if you want to fundamentally transform something, you clearly do not love it or even like it. As I have explained on my radio show time and again, if someone says, I wish I could fundamentally transform my spouse, then you obviously don't love or like your spouse. But what if you don't want to fundamentally transform America and love our country? What about that? Well, then the ruling class of the Democrat Party will try to destroy you, silence you, dismiss you. That's the way it works. Biden is an autocrat. That's what he is. And autocrats, whether they're Marxist, fascists, or of their own making, they want power. I've done probably a hundred radio interviews, morning, noon, and night, over the past five or six weeks. Fantastic hosts, affiliates, Sears Satellite, online, certain podcasts, you name it. And I'm grateful to everybody. And as I say in the book, and I said in every interview, You must look at the Democrat Party through the lens of power. It's right there in the book. It hates our country. The Declaration, the Constitution. It hates free speech. It hates peaceful protest. Unless it agrees with it. It hates the competition of ideas. It seeks to monopolize the language, thought processes, beliefs, and values in service to its own power. And as I say in the book, the Republican Party is in a different place, as incompetent as so many are. They don't even recognize the danger. Some do. And some do and then shoot themselves in the temple in the country with them. That's a different story. This book is not written for politicians in Washington, D.C. Republican or Democrat. I'm sick and tired of politicians. Particularly ones that lie to us and then pretend to to represent us. This book is written for you. I'm one of the few people in broadcasting who spends and has spent his life studying history, ancient history, American history. I can't get enough of it. But there are lessons for us. How many have read 25 books on people who have survived totalitarianism. I don't mean interviewed people. I mean read the books. That's how many books I read for this book that I wrote on that issue. This is why so many who have survived the gulags of the Soviet Union, the internment camp that is North Korea, the slaughter and torture in China and Cuba and other places. Not one of them 
supports Joe Biden. Not one of them supports the Democrat Party. Not one of them has or will. And those who are alive today ask the same question, what's happening to our country? This generation, my generation, and the generation right behind us, we're in a uniquely important position. What's happening in America is not unique. It's happened before in other countries. It's happened in other republics. It's happened in Europe. It's happened in the Middle East. It's happened. We need to learn from it. So who's going to tell us about it? The politicians aren't going to be able to tell us about it. They're too stupid. Most people in broadcasting, if they have books, they haven't written them. They spend their time doing other things, and I do not hold that against them. Most of them will live longer than I do. But I feel a responsibility as the second largest syndicated radio show on the face of the earth to use this microphone and to use every platform I have to lay out the case between good and evil to lay out the case for liberty and tyranny we're running out of time all that stuff that took place the last 48 hours in Washington D.C. didn't help us we're wasting time The Democrats and their surrogates in and out of government, they don't waste time. They use elective office to destroy elective office. They use the voting system to destroy the voting system. They use their judges and their courts to destroy justice and law. They use their mayorships and their governorships to destroy our cities, whether it's crime or illegal immigration. They use the teachers' unions, which are paid and bought for, to destroy the relationship between a family and their child, and to brainwash them. They are at odds with the Bill of Rights. They are constantly attacking it. They come up with proposals to destroy free speech. Their judges are issuing gag orders. Like candy on Halloween. Against one person. Donald Trump. As they did against Roger Stone. As they did against Paul Manafort. And as they will against anybody who gets in their way. You're living through a soft tyranny, as Alexis de Tocqueville called it. He didn't think it could happen in the United States, because he said with all these townships, 
and villages and counties. There's no way under their constitution that they could control these, these Americans who are rugged individuals. Alexis de Tocqueville wrote two volumes, Democracy in America, or two volumes. He came to the United States twice. He was despised by Marx, who dismissed him as an intellectual lightweight. And yet that's one of the most important books, those two volumes, actually, in existence to describe America. I didn't have Alexis de Tocqueville in mind when I wrote The Democrat Party Hates America. But I think it'll be said when I'm gone that it was certainly one of the most important books describing the entity that is destroying our country. Won't matter, I'll be dead and gone. But while I'm alive and kicking, on the top side of the grass, as we say, I'm going to keep pushing the hell out of this because of what's in the book. I can't do otherwise. Otherwise, there's no point to my existence. There's no point to this radio show. There's no point to my Blaze platform. There's no point to my Fox platform. I'm really not a broadcaster, even though I broadcast on multiple platforms. I'm an activist. I'm mission-oriented. I believe in everything I say. I don't put a wet finger to the air and want to know Who's for Gates? Who's against Gates? Who's for McCarthy? I don't care. And if people don't agree with me, that's okay. In the end, we all have to live with ourselves. But I'll be damned if I allow the Democrat Party to define itself. A party of bloodlust, of horrific racism and anti-Semitism, Endless anti-Americanism. A party of the Marxist movements in this country. And every other movement that seeks to destroy our traditions and our customs. Our ancestors fought for our liberty. Many of them died. Many of them died whose names we don't even know. They're dismissed as racists. Many of the most brilliant authors, philosophers, are dismissed or never discussed. We have millions and millions of people crossing our border, most of whom don't speak our language, most of whom are illiterate in their own language. Well, it's hard to understand a complex document like the Constitution of the United States if you can't speak your own language, let alone our language. What we have here is the disuniting of America, as Arthur Schlesinger Jr. put it. 
the purposeful destruction of this country. And if we don't start pointing the finger at the entity that's doing this, rather than talking about it in a vacuum or abstractly, then it's over. And I don't want it to be over. We can't surrender. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, you know what company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk that also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Now, pound 250 and say Mark Levin to make the switch to Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about what's taking place in New York today. Isn't it amazing that in all but one case, Donald Trump is facing Democrat judges? In all cases, Democrat prosecutors. In Democrat cities, except one case. We see the dissolution of the civil society in all these cities. New York, Washington, Atlanta. Where law and order is out the window. And it's in these places, for the most part, that Donald Trump is being prosecuted. Civilly and criminally. The Democrat Party and the media and the Republicans, the establishment Republicans, want you to believe it's Trump's fault. This is what's infuriating. I'll be right back. Now, you know what company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before, but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and now 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk that also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin to make the switch to Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Mark Levin, simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. We be back. We are back. All right, let's see here. 
You know, let's listen to Donald Trump in his own words. And Donald Trump is a very dangerous man if you love this country. He's a very important man. A very dangerous man if you don't love the country. Here he is in another hearing today at the courthouse with a Democrat kook judge. He wants to campaign. He's not able to campaign because they're trying to steal his business from him and his children. Literally try to steal his business. Cut 16, go. This witch hunt that's going on using statute 
where the former president of the United States is charged with numerous crimes, including speaking. Free speech. 19 defendants, where they're flipping a couple as I speak. That's why there's 19 defendants. To flip people to say what you want them to say. Bringing a RICO case, a mobster case, against a former president who is exercising his absolute right, particularly during an election, to challenge that election in every way he possibly can. And under our system, that's purely constitutional. And the local DA, whose father was a Black Panther activist, she elected to the county DA, Fulton County, seizes the authority that belongs to the federal government when it involves federal officials and a federal election to bring her charges. Then we go to Washington, D.C. We heard since January 6, 2020, that what took place in Washington was an insurrection by the president and sedition on his part. Even legal analysts on our favorite cable network were saying that. Now, by the way, they're very silent about it now all over cable. But he was accused of this by the January 6th committee, which was a Stalinist construct. Got that mediate? Stalinist. And he wasn't charged with that. Instead, the same prosecutor who was exiled to The Hague was brought back specifically to hunt down Donald Trump. Appointed special counsel in violation of the special counsel law by the Biden appointed attorney general. And the same prosecutor who was admonished by several juries, the same prosecutor was admonished by an 8-0 to decision by the Supreme Court condemning him for taking a bribery statute and rewriting it and expanding it beyond beyond the statute's borders. He's done the same thing here. He brings a Klan statute. Klan statute. He brings Enron statute. And he brings a financial obstruction statute. All of which are outrageous because they know they have a judge. In their back pocket. Refuses to recuse herself. Who wrote an opinion in her defense. Which was a disgrace. And a joke. And on her behalf. The Department of Justice told her. Don't recuse yourself. We love you. You're terrific. Because they got the judge they want. Who's made it abundantly clear. In case after case at sentencing. That she despises Trump. Democrat judge. Radical. What would they say in these other countries? And she times this trial for one day before Super Tuesday, where Trump can't even campaign. He can't even get on the campaign trail. 
But that's not all. The first case they brought, also in Washington, the wrong jurisdiction. They claim to have fixed that. I argue they certainly did not. They use a Democrat jury pool, grand jury pool, to charge him with over 30 counts of violating, among other things, the Espionage Act. And then the legal analysts, including some at National Review and Wall Street Journal and otherwise, who of course are the fonts of wisdom, they're the Joseph stories and the outstanding geniuses of our time because they once were federal bureaucrat prosecutors. They say that's a dead cinch case. There's at least six motions I would file to help unravel that case. But apparently these former federal prosecutors don't understand that. It's okay. It's all right. So the judge in Washington jumps the line, even though that was the second case brought by the Biden administration, to get her case first. And I've told you why. Because she wants at least one conviction of Donald Trump. So Donald Trump is officially said to be a convicted felon. We can't elect a convicted felon to the presidency. Well, he has the right to appeal. That takes time. She knows it. And I had David Schoen on my program, a brilliant lawyer, litigator, constitutional expert. He said he's had a case in front of this judge, a very simple case. That's been sitting there for three and a half years. She's not in the area of that one. No, no. We're in a rush. We've got to get this done. And she does this in violation of the due process under the Fifth Amendment and Sixth Amendment. The right to effective counsel, because counsel already said, we can't get prepared in four or five months. Here we're talking about almost 13 million pages of documents, and that's just documents. You know, we get to prepare our own case. We get to interview witness. Ah, you will do it. And she picks the date on the calendar. She calls the Democrat judge in Manhattan, in the Alvin Bragg case, and says, hey, do you mind putting off your case until I get mine started? Of course I will. We're brothers and sisters in arms. Of course I will. But the problem here in America is Donald Trump talks too much, you see. That's the issue. So we got to gag him. And so, and so, the Stalinist prosecutor, Jack the Ripper Smith, he's filed multiple motions to gag Donald Trump. They're monitoring his media and so forth. He can't talk. Judge, we're getting threats. You've got to stop him. While their leader, the president of the United States, putative anyway, goes on and on. Those MAGA Republicans, they're like the neo-Nazis. You've got to get them. Trump is like Hitler. Trump is like... Muzzit, nobody's gagging them. Of course not. Because the Democrat Party doesn't believe in free speech. And let me say this. Particularly under circumstances like this, where we all know exactly what's taking place, even the people who defend it, the frauds, the contemptible, despicable government media, they all know what's going on here and they like it. And they support it. And all these former federal prosecutors who were supposed to believe in justice and be objective, they've exposed themselves. 
They've exposed themselves for the sleazeballs that they are. So they're trying to steal his property, steal his business, destroy it, steal his liberty, put him in prison for the rest of his life under state law, federal law, local law, come up with these cockamamie laws about the Klan and Enron and financial obstruction and all the rest, in juries that are sure to convict, and he's supposed to be quiet. Don't you dare talk about our justice system that way and the rule of law. This is what happens in tyrannies. This is what happens in tyrannies. So he's supposed to be quiet. And the judges who oversee these, the intellectually corrupt and dishonest judges who oversee all this, they don't want to be questioned. And yet the reason we have open trials, America, is so we can question exactly what's going on there. All the time. So we can see and hear what's going on. Only the prosecution gets to speak. Only the prosecution gets to condemn Donald Trump. And then they file gag order requests with the court or the court itself on its own gag order. Stalin would be proud. Where am I, Mr. Producer? I'm not an actor. Although some people think I should be an actor. I don't know about that. You know, when we come back, people keep asking me, Mr. Producer, what are my favorite TV shows? Do you care? I think I'll list a few of them. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, you know what company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it? This is great news and for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and is including a mobile hotspot with each one with no price increase whatsoever. Now, if you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't pulled the trigger, take a look again. Just $20 a month for unlimited talk text and a 50% more 5G data plus mobile hotspot. Just 20 bucks a month, folks. This is why I love Pure Talk that also happens to be veteran-owned and only hires the best customer service team right here in America. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin to make the switch to Pure Talk, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250, say Mark Levin, and make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Four of my favorite TV shows, which I watch with my wife very late at night, reruns and so forth, but they're all new shows on ION mostly. I love Blue Bloods, the Reagan family. I love Tom Selleck. He's a great actor. Donnie Wahlberg, the whole crew. They are terrific. And even though they can't say it, you can see it's from a law enforcement and a conservative perspective, but Blue Bloods. Chicago Fire, that is a fantastic show with Eamon Walker. I've never seen him before. He's the chief. He's outstanding. They have a great list of actors who do a fantastic job. And I'm telling you, the production there is very high quality, these fire scenes and so forth. But it really does focus you. Chicago PD, another great show by Jason and the the lead uh, in that one, I think, I don't, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this right, Jason Beige, fantastic. 
And the new Hawaii Five-0, it's not that new. Scott Kahn, his father, was a big fan of mine. Alex Lachlan, uh, and so many others. I, I don't want to start naming people, but these four shows, to me, are really good. I don't have time to watch them when they're live, but I watch them, and my wife watched them late at night, and they are just terrific. I can't recommend them enough. Blue Bloods, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and Hawaii Five-0. What do you want from me, Mr. Producer? Do we have time? Well, we really don't. So we'll pick this up after the top of the hour. I'm behind one sponsor, but you know what? We catch up very easily here. Mike, why are you telling us? Because I'm asked all the time. And then, of course, these the, the Jewelry Channel, which is Gem Shopping Network. I love to watch that, too, from time to time. Why, Mark? I don't know. It's soothing. I love the hosts. Most of the vendors. I love to look at the beautiful gems and designs and all the rest. And, and the hosts are actually, most of them, very intriguing, believe it or not. Anyway, there you go. When I watch TV, this is most of what I watch. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Some, I think, important information for perspective and context, and then I want to move on, although I'll never totally let it go. You have the Congressional Leadership Fund, which is... uh, Kevin McCarthy's political action committee. And what he would do is he would raise enormous sums of money and use it to try and elect Republicans, mostly conservatives, to the House of Representatives. Uh, He was condemned for that by Gates, saying he was controlled by special interests. I don't understand. So when the Democrats have dark money and billionaires and they're outraising us and spending a fortune... I guess the Republicans and conservatives are supposed to disarm altogether. So we can never win. Every seat is not 20 plus margin for Republicans. As is Gates's seat. You've got some conservatives in very rough races and tough, tough districts. But look what I dug up here. So this McCarthy pack spent $4.2 million, Mr. Producer, to help Nancy Mace in a tough South Carolina race in 2020 to get elected. And she voted against him. Because he wasn't liberal enough for her. And listen to this, nearly a million dollars supporting Representative Eli Crane of Arizona who turns around And votes against McCarthy every step of the way. So why did you take the money? Why did either of these reprobates take the money? If you're that principled, you don't take the money. And then, well, you know, you don't take the money. 
It's amazing. Now, also, according to the various records I'm looking at, Matt Gates and Nancy Pelosi both gained the same exact amount to the National Republican Congressional Committee, the purpose of which, again, in 2022 was to elect Republicans, which is nothing. When you're in a safe district and you raise, as Gates did, nearly $7 million, the thinking is try and help out some of these other conservatives who are running. He did not. But it doesn't matter, and I don't care. There'll be a faction, a faction of headbangers that won't care, and that's fine. Who cares? And uh, that's that. All right, I want to get on to this. You know what? My favorite sports show is First Take with Stephen A. Smith. I just love the interaction. I love it. Can't watch it all the time, but it's fun. And when I think about sports, basketball, baseball, football, UFC, my favorite sport, I guess, soccer, any of it, it's become the purest form of competition. If you're the, among the elite group of professional athletes, Ownership, management, the fans, they don't give a damn what color you are. My favorite basketball player of all time was Wilt Chamberlain. I grew up in Philadelphia. That was my man. And when he left for Los Angeles, I mean, it broke my heart as a kid. But we used to go to these Sixers games a lot. Me and my buddy, Eric and others. Used to watch him and Hal Greer and Chet Walker and Bill Cunningham and Wally Jones, and so were the old days. Mark, you're an old neocon. Anyway, so uh, we had a blast. And you know what? You could go up to the side of the basketball court at the beginning of the game, and they would shake your hand. Or we had little autograph books. They would sign the autograph book. You really looked up to these people. And as a kid, it didn't, I never thought about black, white, Hispanic, interracial. It was a non-issue. The Jackie Robinson battle had been fought and won by the good guys. And when you look at most sports today, not all, but most, football, basketball, for sure, it's not just a majority black athletes, it's a significant majority of black athletes. Why? Because it's colorblind. They want the best athletes. When you draft a basketball player, a baseball player, a football player, those teams have a huge investment. They want the best they can get. So to me, it is one of the least racist Areas of our society. Sports. It just is. Or you wouldn't see the numbers that you see. Or you wouldn't see the drafts that you see. And I'll tell you something else. Sports broadcasters, for the most part, wouldn't put up with it. Because a significant number of those folks are minority. Black, to be specific. Great. It's called the market system. It's called competition. It's called capitalism. That's a good thing. 
Now, what I'm about to tell you is a bad thing. I'm looking at this left-wing site, Axios. Ibram X. Kendi, it's not his real name, of course, launches ESPN Plus series on sports and race. This is this critical race theory bigot who's just had to let go an enormous number of employees in his special unit, his special group at Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research. Axios writes, Boston University professor and author Ibram K. X. Kendi has kicked off an ESPN Plus series that focuses on racism in the sports world. I'm going, what? Why it matters, they say. Kendi, whose best-selling books on racism and its history in America have been banned by some schools after complaints by conservatives. is jumping into streaming with the sports project in an upcoming Netflix documentary. Well, read American Marxism, and you'll realize it's not just complaining by conservatives. He has a Marxist agenda that destroys American history. It's dishonest. But that's Axios. What do you expect? I'm reading on. His ESPN Plus series comes shortly after Kennedy was forced to lay off several staffers at Boston University's Center for Anti-Racist Research, where he's a founding director. Well, why did he have to do that? They don't tell us. Well, we know why. They weren't doing very much. And they were blowing through millions of dollars. The center was created shorter, shortly after George Floyd's murder by Minneapolis police in 2020, and its goals include creating a nationwide tracker of racial disparities. A, racial, a nationwide tracker of racial disparities? So all disparities are racial? I deal with that in the Democrat Party Hates America. Thomas Solis, Solis spent his life writing about that. And isn't it interesting, Thomas Sol was never tapped to do any kind of series at ESPN. My only point is, the media hate America. The media want to divide us. I hope these athletes and broadcasters, including my buddy Stephen A., don't fall for this crap. Every time there's a dispute on the sideline, every time there's a quarterback dispute or whatever, whatever, doesn't mean it's racist. One of the least racist areas of our culture is sports. And every disagreement, I was watching them the other day, and Stephen A. Was it, was, it was a lot of fun, actually, watching them and debating with two other guys. And uh, there was a big argument on the sideline, this guy Dilfer, who screamed at his assistant coach, and I must say it was repulsive. Actually, it was outrageous. You don't treat anybody like that in front of the cameras. And I wouldn't do it even in private, but better in private than in public. And immediately the insinuation was the white guy reaming out the black guy. If the black guy had reamed out the white guy, you'd never hear the uh, end of it. Now that's ridiculous. You have mass murder going on in our cities, mostly black teenagers killing black teenagers. You never hear that discussed. On ESPN or anywhere else. Or anywhere else. What was done on that sideline had nothing to do with race. It was a stupid mistake by the assistant coach. You don't ream him out. And the suggestion that he was reamed out because he was black and Dilfer was white. Or 
that the public reaction will be different. The, most of the public didn't even see it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back, America. I'm going to tell you why I like Tim Scott. This man is a gentleman. Even when he's in the midst of a firefighter debate, he's still a gentleman. He says things that other people won't say. He has integrity. You know that he means what he says. He's a man who understands history. He and his family have lived history. He is a conservative. He is a Republican. He believes in liberty. And I have to be honest with you folks. He comes under attack because he doesn't fit the left-wing stereotype. And yet, he's the happy warrior. He keeps moving along. And he keeps talking to the electorate throughout the country and during these debates. And whenever he speaks, I pay attention to it. Tim Scott, how are you, sir? Mark, when you speak, I pay attention. There's no question that your intellect, your fire, is something that stokes the embers of passion in my heart for our country. And I got to tell you, Mark, I know this is not what you asked me to talk about, but I got to tell you anyway. When you wrote the book, The Democrat Party Hates America, I said, hmm. But I got to tell you, Mark, after watching the dude in the house, I won't even mention his name, refer to me as Sambo, it just tells me that the Democratic Party, that they don't just hate America. I think Joe Biden doesn't like black families. Because when I look around, what I see is them using race and class to divide our country. It is wrong, Mark. It stirs my soul, and I can't imagine why in the world. They keep doing that to our country. Poor black kids deserve better than the leadership we're seeing in Chicago and L.A. and around the country. I got to tell you, Mark, you got me fired up. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Senator. Um, You say more in a couple of sentences than uh, many of these politicians say in a lifetime. And it's very important coming from you. Because there's no denying my race, your race, my faith, other people's faith, and so forth and so on. And the Democrat Party has you pegged. They have Clarence Thomas pegged. And I think of Frederick Douglass, one of my great heroes. He escapes slavery. He becomes, he's self-taught. He's an intellectual. He's a scholar. 1852. He disagrees with many of his fellow abolitionists. Not on slavery, of course, but they're trashing the Constitution. And he says to them, why are you trashing the Constitution? The Constitution doesn't perpetuate slavery. It's the greatest governing document on the face of the earth. We need virtuous people to administer the Constitution. That's what we need. And that sounds to me a lot like you. Well, Mark, I got to tell you, I'm a fan of Frederick Douglass, too, and Abraham Lincoln. And what those two men understood, it was celebrate our founding fathers, not because they were perfect. They were flawed, 
but it was the Constitution that was the anchor to absolute truth. And absolute truth is how we set people free. You see, Frederick Douglass understood that our Constitution and our Declaration of Independence gave inalienable rights. The Declaration says it well. That doesn't, it, our rights don't come from each other. They come from a creator. And amongst those rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, we must embrace our founding documents because they set people free. And the radical left, they're willing to lock poor kids into failing schools by having the teachers' unions stand in the doorway of the schoolhouse, trapping them in, and the DAs in these liberal elite cities unlocking the jailhouse and letting people out. Mm-hmm. It's just disgusting. It is disgusting. And you mentioned in the last debate something that almost nobody else would, and yet it's the truth. There have been scholars who've written about it. Even Patrick Moynihan wrote about it many years ago, the Democrat who became a Democrat senator from New York, which is that these social programs destroy the family, the poor, particularly the black family. They destroy the nuclear family. And they destroy the whole work ethic. And you, so far, have been the only one who's even mentioned that. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, Mark, if you think about it, listen, slavery was a great evil upon our nation. I make no excuses. I pull no punches. Slavery was evil. No good came out of slavery. But I must concede, and we should all take a close look, that the black family coming out of slavery, we survived poll taxes and literacy tests and even discrimination woven into the laws of our country. But the great society introduced by LBJ devastated poor and particularly black families by making the exchange, forcing the man out of the house so checks would come in the mail. The result of that has been devastation that you measure in these big blue cities in crime and in unemployment and uneducated people and hope deferred makes the heart sick. It is time for us to tell the whole story, Mark, that in the 1960s, 70 plus percent of black kids grew up with two parents in the household. In the 2020s, 70% of black kids are growing up in a single parent household. And that is the foreshadowing for the rest of the country. Now 40% of white kids in working class families are growing up in a single parent household. If you want to know if socialism works, take a look at the devastation around our nation. And I must stand up and shout from the rooftops if I can't reach the mountaintops. Because I was that poor kid, Mark. Growing up in a single-parent household, mired in poverty. But thank God Almighty, I was given the greatest citizenship on earth. And in America, you can rise beyond your circumstances. You can chart a new course. That's rare on earth. 
Now, Senator, I know you have to go because you have to catch a plane. I want to have you back. But if people want to help you, where do they go? Mark, please ask everybody to go to VoteTimScott.com. I need your help. I need your help. And I need your resources because the radical left, they're calling me everything but a child of God. But I'm going to stand in the fire. VoteTimScott.com. God bless you, sir. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call him now, 877-381-3811. I meant to mention Tim Scott's site again, votetimscott.com, votetimscott.com. I think America needs to see more of Tim Scott. I'd hate to see him blown off the debate stage while we have uh, the guy from North Dakota the uh, sperm whale from New Jersey, and so forth and so on. Um, So I point that out. One of the the great magazines in this country is the American Spectator. The American Spectator has been a rock-rib, intellectual, scholarly magazine on and about conservatism for decades. For decades. And uh, its editor right now is a friend of ours, Professor Paul Kengor. And they just posted a piece that says, the Matt Gates 8. Sounds like I just said, right? But I just got it. I just, I'm reading it now. Matt Gates did with seven other votes what Kevin McCarthy could not do with more than half of the House chamber. He imposed his will. The general, and this is by a really excellent writer, Daniel Flynn, the general commanding a majority of the troops on the field capitulated to Democrats to keep the federal Leviathan, nay, the federal chichula swinging its tentacles and snapping its claws. The general with fewer troops behind him imposed the change he desired, meaning he deposed the speaker he characterized as a liar. Chaos as Speaker McCarthy, Gates proclaimed from the floor Thursday, excuse me, Tuesday. Chaos is somebody we cannot trust with their words. But McCarthy was not so much a sneak as he was weak, he reads. He did not bang the gavel. He tapped it. So Gates and company snatched the gavel from his hands. Spending bills emanate in the House of Representatives rather than reverse 
the multi-decade trend and led to budgets exceeding $6 trillion. And he goes on. It's worth a look. I'm trying to figure out. Senior editor at the American Spectator. It's very well done. And there are others out there as well. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Producer. Do we have any callers? It occurs to me, occurs to me that we ought to take some callers. I've got more articles here, more clips here, but you know what? I'm tired of the articles. I'm tired of the clips. Let's have some participation. Who do you recommend? On the Levin app, Chris from Portland, Oregon. Go right ahead, please. Oh, hello, Mark. Uh, wow, this is exciting. Uh, I'm much privileged to speak with you. I just, uh, just a regular guy listening, uh, and uh, maybe hundreds of hours since I, I first learned of you after Rush Limbaugh died, I started listening to you, and ever since. So, uh, thank you. Sir. And I looked at some of your. I looked at your books. I uh, had a uh, you know rescuing Sprite and uh, mm-hmm. American Marxism, and somebody uh, sent me the ebook for the Democrat Party hates America, and I'm just uh, very enthused and happy to have somebody like you uh, to listen to every day. Aren't you nice? Well, I appreciate it, my brother. So don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy of the Democrat Party hates America, and I want you. Uh, I want to thank you for being a. A regular listener now. Take care of yourself. God bless. Who's next? WBAP, Arlington, Texas. Brett, how are you, Brett? Go right ahead, please. Speaker forever, hold yourself. Um, Brett, are you there? As much as I, uh, there's a delay. As much as I want you to take my call, I also don't want to interrupt the smartest show on radio. Aren't you nice? Uh, but Lord. thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, Speak I want to be nice. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I appreciate your seriousness. Um, you are yourself like an open book. You're not sound bites. You're just, um, I appreciate your lucid demystification of our politicians, our judges, uh, you know, it falls to the bureaucrats that are, you know, unelected officials that are like lording over us yep. in aspects. Uh, we all know some bureaucrats and we don't know. Most of us don't know many or bumped into many judges, mm-hmm. hopefully, and politicians, but bureaucrats all day long. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, well, let me I, say this. You're very articulate. I can tell you're a little nervous. No reason to be nervous. Uh, and thank you for your very kind comments. I appreciate that. And we're going to send you a signed copy of The Democrat Party Hates America. Folks, we're not screening calls so I get compliments. We're screening calls so we don't have what we get too many of around here. Mr. Call Screener does really virulent anti-Semitic callers. So we try and keep them off the air. Isn't that right, Mr. Producer? And it is endless. And it is daily. So I don't want to turn this show into, you know, that kind of thing. So that's why we screen calls. Anyway, who's next, Mr. Producers? Ian in Tom's River, New Jersey. How are you, Ian? I'm yep. doing quite well, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. One, as a vet, 
I feel every member of the military should be given the con- a copy of the Constitution when they go in since they pledge their lives for it. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, Mark, Article 2, Section 3 of the Constitution gives the president the authority to adjourn Congress in times of great disagreement at extraordinary occasions. With what's going on in the House of Representatives, does this rise to the threshold of Joe Biden being able to send the House of Representatives home for a period of time and no. call him back when he's ready? No. They're talking about, like, if the building's in flames and that sort of thing. So, no. No, and we don't want Joe Biden even having the authority to do such a thing, and he does not. Uh, and so uh, I don't think that's a fear. Yellow, yellow. Thank you very much, Mark. All right, don't hang up. The Democrat Party hates America. Mr. Producer says, Mark, we're running out of books. It's okay. I'll handle it. The Democrat Party hates America. We'll get you a signed copy as well. Do we have another caller? Do we have any uh, irregular Americans? In other words, Democrats. No. Okay. Who's next? Baltimore, Sirius Satellite. Michelle, how are you? I am so great to be able to talk to the great one. So I have to Thank tell you, I've been listening to you for years. I've been listening to you when um, Rush was on. And you have dinner with me and my husband just about every night. I, I tell him Well, we have a terrible connection, so here's what we're going to do. Mr. Call Screener, get Michelle's number. Let's call her back so I can hear exactly what she's saying. I have enough of a hearing problem. I can't tell what she's saying. So I think what we'll do is take a break now and come back and see if we can get Michelle. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Maybe one more caller, Mr. Producer, if you have one. Is Mr. Producer there? Yes? Yes. I caught him off guard. He's probably eating a uh, a cheesesteak right now. That's about it. Susan in Oklahoma, Sirius Satellite. Yellow, 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 Susan. Hey. Hi, Mr. Levin. Yes. Sir. I was listening to you yesterday, and I just, I heard you say, you know, you hadn't been in the military, and that was one of the things that you, you kind of regretted, but sir, you, you are honest, you, you tell us the, the hard truth, and your service, sir, I just want to thank you for your service. Well, my husband and I... Enjoy listening to you, and sometimes we don't like always to have to, to hear the hard truth, but it, we need it. And people need to listen, and they need to wake up. Well, you're very, very kind in many respects, and I appreciate it. And uh, look, I just call them as I see them. I have no agenda other than to promote liberty and to defend our country and defend what we stand for. That's it. That's it. I don't put a wet finger in the air and try and figure out where everyone's coming from. I just take my own, you know, give it my own shot. And people agree, great. They don't agree, fine. But you'll get the, what I believe is the truth. You'll get integrity. That's what you'll get from me. And uh, I want to thank you very, very much. Don't hang up. I want to give you a copy of The Democrat Party Hates America. I don't know. Do we? Go ahead. 
You know, we lost Michelle in Baltimore. I was starting to get nervous. It is Baltimore, after all. And uh, what happened is she cut out. Michelle, um, WCBM country. Yes, how may I help you? Okay, here goes. So first I hear all, you now, Michelle. Great. All right. So I'm so delighted. So I believe in serendipity. You know, so here it was. I think it was around September the 19th. I think you announced that your book was now out. around September the 19th. And right. I think you also said it was your birthday. Yeah? You said it was your birthday, too? 21st. Around September 21st. Okay. So I think that you and my daughter have a birthday in common, because here it was around September the 19th, and I get something in the mail from Amazon. I never use Amazon. I mean, almost never. And there's a box, and I'm wondering, what the heck is this? So I get a call from my daughter that day. Mommy, we're making a birthday party for me. Can you come? So I say, okay. And I'm trying to figure, what can I get her? Well, I was one of those people who was privileged to get a pre-publication edition to proof for you from a mutual friend. And, and I was delighted to have that honor. And I said, hey, what would she like better than a, uh, an embargoed copy of your book now that it's out and available to anybody? And that's what I did. I gave it to her for her birthday. You should have seen the smile on her face. She is a reader. And I know she's going to read it because she told me she would. And um, so I Well, you're a sweetheart and you're a great mom. I mean, why not? You're not giving her the book, The Democrat Party Loves America. That would be a fiction. So I want to thank you. Um, my stepdaughter spends a lot of time in Baltimore because she's a uh, doctor at the major hospital there. I'm not going to give the name, but you know what it is. So uh, I want to thank you very, very much. Do not hang up. I'm going to get you a signed copy of The Democrat Party Hates America. And I want to thank you very, very much. All these nice people. All these nice people. Now, I just saw a poll from Breitbart, one of my favorite sites. Bidenomics bust Republican polling lead on the economy jumps to 32-year high. The lead Republicans have over Democrats when it comes to economic prosperity has reached its largest in 32 years. That's what Gallup says. 53% of Americans said they think the GOP is more likely to do a better job of keeping the country prosperous. 39% say they favor Democrats on the issues facing the economy. Now, here's the problem. If you have a guy like Matt Rosendale, Montana, who says he prays for minuscule majorities in the House of Representatives, but, of course, his election is crucial. And so we we deny not just Republican rhino, but real solid conservatives all over the country. We had one running in northern Virginia. The guy is fantastic. If that's what you're praying for, man, you are definitely screwed up. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. We salute our truckers and the freedom fighters all over the world. And I salute you, the most loyal, intelligent audience of them all. God bless each and every one of you. And if you have a moment, run to Amazon or your favorite retail store, not Barnes & Noble.